Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week for another amazing episode of Lit AF. I am very excited for today's guest. It is Laura Ash, the owner of Scarlet Sage Herb Company right here based in San Francisco. Laura Ash is also a clinical herbalist, and we get into all things herbs today. We get to hear her amazing story about how she found herbalism and how she actually ended up in Africa studying herbalism with a local tribe, what she learned from that experience and how it's changed her own herbalism practice. We talk a lot about activism within the herbalism community and biopiracy. And we also talk about intuition and also what people come to Scarlet Sage for most and talk about different herbs and cures for sleep and stress and all of those good things. I learned so much from Laura Ash and just hearing her talk about making a cup of tea and her five-minute rituals like made me so happy. It makes me feel like... It's bringing self-care into realistic life, (laughs) into reality, (laughs) in just this beautiful way. So can't wait for that, for the episode to start. And of course, before the episode, I just want to do my check-in for this week. And for my check-in, I just really want to thank everyone that attended the new moon ceremony on Monday evening. This was an amazing super powerful and potent portal for everyone. We celebrated the new moon in Leo. Everyone was able to make lists for what they're calling in and really ground into what they want to embody. We did a beautiful meditation and some embodiment practices, which I loved. So thank you everyone for coming doing these new moon ceremonies and doing these meditations is like one of my absolute favorite things. (laughs) It is so, so, so fun. I just want to thank you. And I just want to also talk a little bit about the theme for the new moon ceremony so that you can think about this in your own practice this week. So the theme for the new moon really was allowing in the support of others. And in the summertime, you know, we're really towards the end of summertime, but here in San Francisco, this is our summertime. So August, September is truly like the best weather of the year. And so the summertime asks us to like remove our armor, remove our clothing. Like we're wearing, you know, tank tops. And if we're lucky enough, we're going to maybe some water or wearing our bikinis. It's like, we're taking our armor off. And we're really like getting down to just the most vulnerable that we can be. And I think that allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and share and really take up space while we're in that point of vulnerability is so incredibly powerful. And I pulled a tarot card for this ceremony. And what I pulled was the judgment card. And the judgment card can be really confusing to some people. So I read this card as the lack of separation. Like our subconscious, especially in traumatic moments, really wants to keep us separate from other people, especially as a dismissive avoidant. I'm like, nope, I'm, I help myself. I'm going to push you away because I got me. I'm going to take care of me. And this card encourages us to see like, how are we all experiencing the same human experience? How are we all just like being human together? It's universal consciousness. It's the idea that we're all from source, right? And so, or we're all divine, you know, we're, we're all created from divine source. The idea of separation is the subconscious wants us to be separate from other people. But in reality, we're all human having so many similar experiences. And so this new moon ceremony really was all about sharing, being vulnerable, wearing that bikini of armor 
<laughs> and really realizing where we're having just these similar experiences. So it was so cool to see. I hope that you think about these moments on your own time. And I just really want to thank everyone for connecting and enjoying. It was such a, such a blast. So thank you. And now for my announcements, I'm very excited this week because my membership community called Magnetic AF is open. It's officially open. So Magnetic AF is a community of women supporting women. We meet weekly. We have community calls where everyone is invited to share about what's going on. Sharing is optional. We have topics if you're interested, or you can just really share about what is going on in your life at that moment. Two of these community calls each month are themed around the new moon as well as the full moon. These moon phases seem to be when I pick up the most energy from the outside world. So I find these rituals are really amazing to harness and embody things that I want to be calling in in my life and then really let go and honor outside forces with the full moon ceremonies. Members also get access to monthly workshops hosted by Lit AF podcast guest. This month is so exciting. It is Morgan Blackman, founder of Holistic Bucks. She was on the podcast last week. She is going to be doing a workshop on money rituals and money dates, as well as investing. So if you're interested in just tightening up your finances, this workshop is for you. That's going to be on August 19th, and it is only available to members of the Magnetic AF community. And the members also get access to monthly interviews with fellow Magnetic AF members telling their story about how they recently called something huge into their lives. So the past two recordings have been really exciting. The last one featured Megan Gathers. She was talking about calling in pregnancy as well as partnership, which was really cool to hear. And then the month before that featured another member talking about calling in partnership. So hearing their story, their journey, their path, triggers that came up along the way, the tools they used to process this, and really how they're grounding down into themselves to live the life that they want is just so inspiring to hear. So all of this is available to members of the Magnetic AF community. So the membership will only be open for a week, so you must join by August 18th. I hope to see you there. If you're interested in joining, please visit my website, sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And on the menu bar, you'll see a button that says join Magnetic AF. I really hope to see you there. It's an amazing community. Truly, it is your soul tribe. So I'm so excited. All right. That's it for my announcements. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, Laura Ash. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So Laura Ash is a clinical herbalist and she's also the owner of Scarlet Sage Herb Company, which is right around the block from me, not where I'm recording right now, but where I live normally. So this is like a store that's like near and dear to my heart. I've learned so much through the classes that are offered there, as well as like all the different amazing herbs and products. And so it's really wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So I want to talk a little bit about you and herbalism. And I'd love to hear about how you found herbalism at the age of 19. That is a common question. And I know that being an herbalist is something that people find is obscure and odd. Maybe not as much now as it was. 21 years ago when I first found herbalism, but I think most people come into herbalism in a similar path, which is through some personal experience. So I had been raised in a very typical white American, lower middle class, middle class family that a lot of Doritos and Pepsi (laughs) in our family, very Christian. And so becoming an herbalist was not necessarily the path that I was raised to be. I think my first venture into herbalism was someone giving me a peppermint tea in a tea ball when I was like 18 years old. And I was so amazed at the strength of that tea 
and the flavor and the fact that like loose herbs were in a thing. And I was so excited. I was like, what is this? That was, you know, Advil was the herb in my family. So having raised in that family, I also was raised with plenty of meds and antibiotics. Not that there was an overuse of them, but definitely the thing to treat any ailment was basically antibiotics. So I often had pneumonia as a child, actually. So I think the first time I had pneumonia, I was six weeks old and then again at two and um, many times like yearly some sort of lung ailment I remember at least as a kid and generally took antibiotics and I was 19 and I was sick I had I think bronchitis or pneumonia and I was like I just don't want to take antibiotics again I'm just like exhausted and so I ended up walking into a used bookstore in Chico California where I was living I found the aromatherapy section in the used bookstore and saw that there were about maybe six books at the most in this little section. Again, this is like 1999. And I found this book and I opened it up and it said, you know, it was listing the glossary of all of the ailments that you could find essential oils specifically for. And I looked at pneumonia and it said lavender. So I turned to the page and I read all about lavender and I was like, well, this is so cool. And so I bought the book, $6.00 book was The Practice of Aromatherapy by Jean Valmet, and I find out he's actually the grandfather of medical aromatherapy in France. Then I went and bought lavender for the very first time, had never been to a natural food store before, had, I think the only brand back then was Oracacia. I bought lavender, and I didn't know how to take it, so I put a couple drops in water and drink it, and I did that for a couple weeks, which normally I wouldn't advocate at this point for internal use, unless you're really in a strong, pretty strong kind of infection like the one I was having and it went away and I was so shocked and I felt so strong after I was better and that was very opposite feeling that I had with the use of antibiotics I was like what is this world and then this world sort of opened up to me as a young 19 year old girl I read all the books I could on essential oils even like the the business of, of aromatherapy and essential oil distilling and then was already really interested in healing with whole foods and went into like alkaline acidic diets and started that pathway. And then I actually ended up getting my first job in an herbal apothecary in Seattle called Tenzing Momo when I was 21 years old. And that formal training was learning under master herbalists and people that have been in the field for a long time. So then went into more education. And in 2005 and 2006, I went to the California School of Herbal Studies to become a clinical herbalist. And that's based up in Sonoma County, outside of Forestville. And then studied with herbalists after that and dove into that world and really became the clinician I am now, which has been about 20 years in in total since that time. So this is now where I am as a teacher and as the owner of Scarlet Sage for the last six years. And as a clinician, I do see clients. And as a mother and a partner, I practice herbalism every day. Oh, that's amazing. For any, I'm just going to add, for anyone listening, Laura is currently sitting inside Scarlet Sage. So there is some background <laughs> noise. But having a very authentic experience. <laughs> the store itself is very like a very beautiful old Victorian. It's very magical. So I've, I feel like we're getting some magical soundscapes right now. Oh, good. I'm glad. If you get some magical soundscapes of people eating popcorn, then that's part of the whole process. (laughs) It's part of the process. It's like herbal popcorn. It's good stuff. (laughs) It's all good stuff. Yeah, there's no separation. I just love the story of you going from aromatherapy slowly into herbalism. I think that is such a cool story. And I know that your path took you to Africa. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what you learned there and like, what did you practice there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I was living uh, with my now ex-husband, but husband at the time um, in the UK from 2010, 2011. And he was in at Oxford. So we were living there with my very young child who was six months old to a year and a half old. And in the UK, I was able to start consulting with other startup companies. He was at the business school there in Oxford. So certain people that were trying to get into the natural industry, whether it was through raw materials, 
like Shea Butter or Health and Wellness, they would consult with me. And because I had been in, in the industry long enough, I knew a lot more about the insides. And there was an opportunity for us to move to Tanzania the following year. My husband at the time was starting another company, um, a solar business in Africa, and got funding to do that. So we moved to Tanzania 2011. And that it's a very, very different place than the UK, that's for sure. While we were there, um, we lived there for a year, I was able, I wanted deeply to connect with the locals of the area and find out like what herbalism they practice, what does it look like there? It looks very different than what it did in the UK or in the United States. But we went on a safari in the Ngorongoro Highlands. In this crater, it's very obviously very old craters, a huge amount of diversity of animals, and the Maasai live right along this crater mostly on the edge of the crater and that's where they hunt or that's where they raise some some goats and cattle at this point is around the the highlands of the Ngorongoro crater so we were there on a safari and I was walking with what he called himself an ethnobotanist but I was walking with him he's more of an herbalist and I was asking all the questions about the plants around like do you use this in pregnancy how would you make this kind of formula he would say this is used for this and I go well do you boil it do you put it in fat I just was asking all the deeper questions and he asked his name is Sayanga and he goes why are you asking me all these questions and I said well I'm an herbalist I want to know how to do this type of medicine and how to utilize it and how you make these medicines and he said I'm always wanted to write down my herbal medicine and this is something that I would love for you to do with me if you're interested. So we ended up going on four safaris, which in Kiswahili, which Swahili is the government language, safari means to travel. So we went on four safaris, so we traveled out into his community and he speaks Ma, which is an unwritten language from Maasai that they would translate into Swahili and then Swahili into English. So I could understand what the people speaking Ma were saying. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. I was able to write down and video and record these medicines that some of them for the first time he had heard about because we were talking to the midwives or the mothers about pregnancy and lactation and birth. And they don't talk to the men. So this was the first time he learned a lot about it. It was just really amazing and really beautiful. And they learn a lot from animals. That's a, definitely one of the ways that they've learned about which plants to eat and which ones are safe. And then that translated down into oral tradition. So through that experience, I was able to help him write a book and publish it. And then I ended up starting a nonprofit, realizing this is not a unique issue for the Maasai, just the Maasai in Tanzania, but all indigenous communities around the world, usually using oral tradition, not writing it down or losing it because they're not using it. And it's they're being Western educated at this point. So they're not learning it in their communities and it's also being stolen at the same time. And biopiracy is a very big deal in the supplement industry and research. So through that, I was able to start a nonprofit called Herbal Anthropology Project, which helps document and preserve traditional medicines around the world with intellectual property protection through the World Intellectual Property Organization. And they have a traditional knowledge and folklore and genetic resources division. And so I had to be a nonprofit to get accredited through WIPO, which is the World Intellectual Property Organization, to be a traditional knowledge division accredited group. So I became a 501c3 Herbal Anthropology Project and really thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life and really focus on conservation. But life has its own ways to <laughs> make you stop and rethink and make new choices. Wow. So I'm so curious from that experience, how has that changed your own herbalism practice? Very much so. Maybe not necessarily with my clinical work. And I might be just more sensitive to someone's experience if they are not a European descent person like me. That there is this other piece that is very sacred and very hard to share with people. That Especially if you have a history or your ancestors were part of the problem of taking so much. And that's so common. I think maybe that might give me some more empathy and sympathy for the experiences of not wanting to share, maybe not trusting people that look like me. But 
in my clinical education, so what I teach, I do have students. I have a three-year clinical program that we run through Scarlet Sage called the School of Traditional Healing Arts. I do teach a less human-centric point of view at this point because of what I've learned from the Indigenous communities I work with is that human beings are not at the center in these communities. You know, they learn from the animals. They have plants that are more sacred than they are. They have mountains that need to be asked permission to walk upon or to gather plants. They think plants. There's a lot of animism in these communities, and it's very important for them to know that they are part of it, not the center of it, which is a very puritanical Christian point of view, which is God made made the planet for human beings. And that's not the way it is for the majority of the world. It's allowed me to say, what are, how are we as an ecosystem, part of the ecosystem, versus how do we extract? And I think that's been really helpful for me. Um, there's a lot of ideas in herbalism, like the doctrine of signatures, which is like, this plant is used for this because it looks like a liver. And that's, again, a very human-centric way to look at plants. And I'm just like, I can't get behind it, even though that may be a cool way to remember it. But it's not the thing I believe actually serves us in the best way to think of us being the most impactful as human beings, which means the least impactful on the destruction of the planet. So whether it's perfect or not, I don't know. But I'm learning more and more all the time. That is so beautiful. So what I'm hearing then is maybe the St. John's wort oil that I'm using topically has nothing to do with blood flow, even though it looks like blood because it's like really bright orange <laughs> oil. Is that, is that kind of where we're going here? <laughs> I actually don't use it for blood flow, so that would actually work. But if you remember it for nerve pain and you associate nerve pain with redness, then yes, it's great to remember it that way, right? I think our brains are human-centric always. So it's like for our big emotional complex brains that human beings have, I think it's an easy way for us to associate. You know, we always associate things with everything and that helps us remember and not have to do a lot of homework really. But again, it's not the way I feel like I think we should communicate what plants are actually here for, which is probably not for us most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's such a bigger picture. <laughs> the bigger picture and we're a smaller piece of it. And I think people have a hard time with that. And I'm sure my ego has a hard time with it too. But I think we need to figure out how to make it the world a better place by us being here. And I don't think it's the making us at the center, to be totally honest. And I think there's abundance enough for all of us. I really do. I love to hear this activism in herbalism. That's really, really cool. <laughs> I don't think you can you can do it without talking about the impact of us because we're using plants. We're looking at the earth. We're gathering them. We're watching them disappear. It's like we're in that constant dialogue. And so if things are changing and we're treating wildfire, smoke, hailing lungs with all of our people versus having, you know, other issues that we're talking about, it is a very real experience when half the forests are being burned down with the medicines that we normally gather. Yeah, I think it's it's just really apparent. And I think we want to do better. We want to do herbalism better. We don't want to do spiritual bypassing. We want to make sure we're addressing social justice and to access um, at all times. And I think each of us, not that I'm perfect at it, I'm learning a lot all the time, but have our own version of what that could look like with our own communities. So inspiring. And I feel like even educating yourself about herbs is like the first step of learning how this is such a larger ecosystem that we're like all a part of. So it's really cool. So I'd love to hear about the transition. You're you're in Tanzania. You're doing all this amazing work. How do you end up back in San Francisco with Scarlet Sage? Oh, sorry. My dog keeps barking. I have people downstairs chatting about crystals. It's all good. (laughs) I ended up moving to the Midwest afterwards, moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and I was pregnant with my second, and I really thought we were going to settle there. Um, We ended up splitting up. I ended up going through a divorce in Madison. And as a newly single mom, I was going back to school thinking I would get my master's in conservation because I started my nonprofit. I was making the connection, which I think is very apparent, that the loss of indigenous use of medicines, the loss of traditional knowledge is connected to the loss of land. And so how do we approach 
indigenous land management through conservation. So that was really my goal. And then working, being a mom and doing that life thing. And then my ex-husband went back to San Francisco and settled was settling here and realizing like life was going to look differently with like, how do we do two cities with two kids and that whole thing? And so I really, it was a really spiritual decision of like, what is the best thing for me and my family and my children? And I had worked at Scarlet Sage actually when I was doing my clinical training at the California School of Herbal Studies in 2006. So I approached the former owners, Lisa and Dino, and said, if you're ever interested in selling, I'm interested in buying. I have no clue how that's going to work. And they had just hired a broker to sell the company. So I said, great, it has to happen in three months. (laughs) So we ended up getting an SBA loan and I was able to borrow money from people that I needed to and I had a little money left over from the divorce and was able to make it happen. So in 2015, I moved back here so my kids could be in the same town as their dad. And that was six years ago. And it's been a very, very intense, lovely, amazing, deep, transformative (laughs) journey since then. So I had six employees when I first bought the company. I now have 22 I started the education in 2018. We opened up the basement and now it's all online this last year. I have learned a lot about business and money and finance. And now I do coach other women in the wellness industry on business and money and business finance in order to support, I think, the growth of business and financial acumen for people I feel like are doing it really well, just that we don't have the culture to talk about this as women. And I definitely didn't have it. And I had to do a lot of homework and classes. And I'm, I love it. I actually love running a business. I love uh, talking to people about money. I love figuring out how to do capitalism in a way that's as sustainable and economical, I guess. I know that's a funny word to say, capitalism is possible. And ethical, really. So I don't think there's a perfect system <laughs> at all. But it's I, I do I do really really like what I do, and it's and it's challenging, and it keeps me focusing to be the best person I can be, and that's why it's very challenging. <laughs> oh my god, I bet it's a lot. It is a lot, and you've done it for six years. I've done it for six years. Yes, it's still open. <laughs> We're still open, we're growing, we're an essential business, we're profitable, we do a lot, I give a lot into the community, we do a lot of donations, you know, we really focus as much as possible on supporting community, and I know there's always more we can do, and we do our best. I love that. For me, it's like such a full service, like, shop, so I love it. So thank you for everything you do, I'm sure it's really hard. a lot that goes on behind the scenes that no one sees. It is great when people walk in. They're like, this is such a peaceful place. It's so lovely while we're like running around, you know, (laughs) doing everything. So I'm glad that people feel that way. That's the point. That's the goal. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Lit AF. I know I am. If you are interested in taking your personal growth just a little bit further, please consider joining Magnetic AF. Magnetic AF is my membership community that is a bunch of women supporting women in their own personal growth path. Members receive access to monthly new moon and full moon ceremonies. These are excellent practices to call shit in and let shit go. Members also receive access to monthly workshops. This month will be hosted by Morgan Blackman, the founder and CEO of Holistic Bucks. She was on the podcast last week, and she will be teaching us about money rituals and investing. So I can't wait. We're going to get our finances in tip-top shape. And members also receive access to monthly interviews with a fellow Magnetic AF member that is manifesting something big in their life. It's an amazing community. I hope you consider joining. If you are interested, head on over to my website, sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And on the menu bar, you'll see Magnetic AF. Join today and find your soul tribe. All right, back to the episode. Well, 
Well, so I'm curious, what is the most common ailment that people come in for and what herbs do you recommend them? The origin of the most common thing people come in for is stress. What I think the thing people generally say is they have a hard time sleeping. Sleep is a really common theme. Even if it's the second thing that they say, they're like, I'm stressed out. I'm like, do you sleep well? No. Or I don't sleep. Great. Are you stressed out? Yes. You know, there's always that piece. And digestive issues is probably the second one. And because of stress-induced digestive, usually people are in some time of change. When it comes to sleep, though, the thing I see the most is people waking up between 2 and 3 in the morning, which is, according to the traditional Chinese medicine clock, it's liver time. And I think there's just an overwhelming amount of weight on our livers, and liver digests everything, right? It's our junk food. It's our garbage disposal. We're going to be breaking down things like hormones, and which includes stress hormones, right? And our own sex hormones in the liver. We're going to be breaking down rancid fats, foods, toxic chemicals, air we breathe, water we drink, everything around us in our environment. And I think when we get stressed out, our liver can get even more overwhelmed, maybe because of what we ingest. Sometimes, sometimes it's just the stress load itself. And so when that 2 to 3 a.m. wake up and not able to go back to sleep, I usually recommend for sleep a liver tonic before bed. And that seems to be the magic bullet of getting through that time so you do sleep through the night. Other than that, I'd like recommending ashwagandha before bed. Ashwagandha is an adaptogen. It helps the body break down cortisol quickly. And so when our cortisol is supposed to be dropping before we go to bed, you want to take ashwagandha if it isn't dropping. And it's traditionally drank through a powder and milk at night, like a latte. Some people add honey and or ghee. It needs a little bit of fat. So it could be oat milk. It could be hemp milk, whatever kind of milk that person drinks and drink it at night before bed. That does help people sleep through the night usually. But ashwagandha, you want to be careful with if you have any autoimmune disorder, just to make sure you're not affecting that disorder. Some people can do it with autoimmunity. Some people can't. And then with with liver tonics, there's a zillion of them you can do before bed, depending on the person. Wow. Sleep. That's amazing. (laughs) Everyone needs it. People don't get enough of it. And I promise you, people are like, I sleep enough. I sleep seven hours. I was like, most women need to sleep nine. Most women need to sleep more, especially when they're on their moon cycle, especially when they're um, in stressed times, especially in the winter. There's all these ways that I feel like we push ourselves to like hit a clock of normality where like everyone's a little bit different. And um, if you're a uterine carrying person, you might need more sleep than someone that's not. And if you're not feeling well, you're going to need more sleep. There's a lot, there's a lot there that I just, I just support people just to stay in bed. Just like put another hour on that clock. (laughs) I am all about that. (laughs) I'm not a morning person. I'm also not a night person. I just love sleeping. So this is music to my ears. (laughs) Good. Don't feel guilty. Unless you're sleeping 12 hours a day, and then we're going to have a different conversation. Different conversation. Okay, so magic number nine, maybe let's talk at 12. I love that. We can do that. Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Oh, that's amazing. So the hour of two to three, is that's so fascinating to hear. I have not heard about this Chinese medicinal clock. I used to drink a lot, and when I was drinking a lot, I would always wake up at 2 a.m. Yep. So that really checks out. Liver time. "Ah." Yeah. Wow. What are the other times? Like what happens? What else happens throughout the night? There's like kidney time, four or five. There's a long time. I don't have it memorized right now. Um, and I'm not a TCM or traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, but this is a clock that's generally pretty standard in the world of what we call North American herbalism or the diaspora of many traditions within this land we currently live on. And the Chinese clock is one that I think is commonly talked about. There's Ayurvedic medicine also that I I am trained in that doesn't generally have a clock per se, but it does have times where the organ systems are best rejuvenated, but it depends on your dosha or the type of person you are. And with Western herbalism, which is the European-based herbal medicine that has come over from Europe and normalized itself here, kind of mostly with colonization. That one doesn't have as much of a clock. We have different systems. We treat more symptoms. So I think this is why people often gravitate towards these deeper 
longer traditions that are much more advanced in a lot of cultures than the European herbalism, more symptom-based. That's fascinating. It sounds more like kind of long-term maintenance versus like put a fire out. Yeah, there's a lot of putting the fire out. And this is why we love the integrative medicine, which is like, you want all of it. And for me, my point of view is like, I want all of it. I want all of the versions of medicine because I know I, I will go to the hospital if I break my leg. I promise you. I Do not come to me if you break your leg. Go to the <laughs> hospital. Right? Noted. <laughs> come to me if you're like, have digestive disorders and you don't know why. And Western medicine is terrible at managing digestion because it's not, they're not talking about diet. They're not looking at like the lining of your colon that it can actually be rejuvenated they're not they don't have demulcent herbs that can coat and soothe and heal they don't have those remedies and we do and so we're like come to us for this go to the doctor for that let's check in to make sure everyone's on the same page and so I love herbalism and I love integrative medicine because you really have access to everything Love that. So holistic. I'm just thinking in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got to go check this out. Gotta go check- <laughs> Here's my laundry list. <laughs> yep. 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 We do have laundry lists. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I'm curious when you're working with a client or even when you are working with herbs, how does your intuition play into what you're using or what you're recommending? Yes, I pride myself in being a clinical herbalist with a medical herbal background. Medical herbalism is based on the British system. And so I do use my logic for the majority of what I do. And I'm okay. I'm proud of that. I'm okay with that. I know a lot of herbalists that focus a lot on the spiritual side of herbalism. They connect with the divas of the plants. They, they channel information. They're really connected to the spiritual nuances, so to speak of these plants and the human beings and how they interact in that spirit body. I am not that person. I'm not that herbalist. I'm not. I trust that the plants, as they have magic, and if you want to anthropomorphize them, go for it. I trust that they're doing it anyway. And so for me, it's about someone coming in, like Sarah, for example, if you came in and said, I'm having this issue, like a PMS, this is your this is your podcast. So we can talk about your PMS. Right? Oh yeah. So you're like <laughs> talk about our PMS. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And it's like great. Let's talk about that. Let's go through that. I'm going to make sure that the herbs that I use have a traditional use as well as modern research that backs up that of the version of what PMS you have. Right. So we're going to talk more about what your digestion looks like, how you're sleeping, all of it. We're going to go through your entire history because. Your PMS is not just your PMS, like you're a unique human being within that PMS spectrum. And so I'm going to give you herbs based on you as a whole. Let's say you as like, uh, you really have a lot of inflammation, let's say, and you really have a lot of histamine response. You get a lot of food intolerances, cause a lot of like bloating and gas, let's pretend for you. I'll also be treating that because that's going to reduce all your inflammation in general. And then also we're going to talk directly to the PMS, the anti spasmodic herbs and the ones that are used for those specific cramps or excessive bleeding and how we can support that. And then we'll talk about like general what what your endocrine system is doing with your hormones and why that might be off if it is off at all. And we'll approach that if we can. If you're on medicines, I won't approach it directly as a hormone support. I'll approach you more to like calm your stress down because that's the thing that makes it go off the most. So we really look at all of the pieces and how the entire body is talking to itself and how it's working instead of just saying you have PMS here, take a pill and goodbye. So that's how I approach herbalism and the intuition that I use is making sure I'm asking all the right questions of you. So for example, if like I keep getting a hit, because I am an intuitive person, keep getting hit and being like, something's going on with her foot. I don't know why it keeps coming up and I'll write a note down or a skin or something. And I'll ask at the end, like, is there something going on with your skin? Because you didn't mention anything. And be like, actually, yeah, I have this eczema thing that shows up. So sometimes things like that, whether it's the right herb or not that's coming through, I don't know. I'll write it down, give myself a note. And if it makes sense logically that I need to put it into a formula, I recommend it. I'll utilize that intuition in that way. But I think it's a more guidepost into how I'm utilizing the research and the knowledge that I've gained in my studies and in my education the last 20 years. Is that helpful? Oh, that's so helpful. It's so grounded. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious. I guess the question is kind of based on like, 
when there's multiple options for like one herb or something like that, like how do you trust like which direction to go in, I would say? Yeah, great question. So if it's the difference between like yarrow and red raspberry leaf and organ grapefruit, let's say, and they all kind of have their own version of what they do to um, being astringent to your mucous membranes. If you have a UTI or if you have something going on with atrophy of a mucous membrane, like a digestive something, then I'm going to probably ask you at that point, number one, what's your budget? They're all pretty affordable, which is good. Do you prefer tea, tincture, or capsules? Because that's why there's so many products in the industry. It's about compliance. I am going to stand back and be like, what do you want to do? Do you want to just take a pill every day? Here's a good capsule. Here's a good formula. Here you go. If you're like, I'm a tea person, I'm a super tea person. I love drinking tea all day long. I'm going to make sure the tea you're drinking is not disgusting and totally bitter. And like, you're never going to want to drink it. And that it's actually like yummy and something enjoyable that you look forward to. I do my best to make something as compliant as possible. And if you're really interested in a tincture, I can make it a little bit more obscure, tastes a little bit more bitter because you can hide that in other things or take it as a really quick remedy. So there's that's how I would decipher which one to give you depending on, and they might be all three for the specific ailment that you have. If there's a little bit of each of them that are unique enough to tailor specifically to your issue. So it's not that hard to decipher which one once you say, Laura, I'm a capsule person. I just need a good capsule. And then I'm actually limited to which one comes in the right capsule that I want is efficacious enough for you to take. I didn't know there were so many options. <laughs> That's like exponential. There's so many <laughs> options. And this is why we have 7,500 different products in the stores because it's like, you know, what if you're like, I only want to do external stuff. I can't take anything internally. And we know the skin breathes. Like it need, it, we can absorb certain things through our skin, not everything. And so we'll look at topicals and bathing and baths. What does that look like? And, and inhalations and essential oils and how those go through our different mucous membranes. There's so many ways we can kind of support everybody's journey if you know enough about all the different options which at this point I know a lot a little bit about a lot or a lot about a little bit I'm not too sure which one (laughs) and we really do have options and we really hopefully will get to a place that it's actually really enjoyable as much as possible for the person that's that's you to seeing them because really at the end of the day I can tell you what to do all day long if you don't do it nothing's going to work right (laughs) I love that yes (laughs) And if you are not a pill person, then maybe the tea is the better option for you. Yes, teas or essential oils or bathing. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot. Oh, I love that. Okay, talk to me about the ritual of making tea. I've heard you describe this before, and it's really changed my viewpoint on when I actually make myself a cup of tea. Yes, it is my version, my five-minute self-care version that I tell a lot of people to do because a big part of what I – love and what I do is supporting women or women identified people. I support men too, but I really love supporting women and women identified people in having their self-care not have to be an entire day and a half of their week in order to get it in because that's not a reality for a lot of people, especially as a mom. I am busy. And so my version is really utilizing that tea making for your self-care And so for me, I do drink green tea every day. And I remember when I first became a single mom and my therapist, I was like, I'm so busy and I have two kids. What am I going to do? She's like, what do you love to do every day? And I was like, I like to drink tea. And she's like, okay, this is going to be your time. And it was literally three minutes. And so it was, it's about intention. It really is. And I have a very strong dedication to manifestation what manifestation looks like not that you can get whatever you want that's a different version of how people think but that you can strive for things that you really want and there's a way you can do it using your intuition using self-care using like what makes sense for your life but a big piece of it is making sure you're in your body and, and grounded so when I drink my tea I warm up the water and while it's warming up it takes a while You can take a deep breath and feel your feet and ground and check in with yourself like, how am I doing? I'm doing good. If there was just an altercation with someone or something frustrated happened, you can take that moment to kind of breathe it in. And then when you're pouring the hot water on the tea and letting it steep because it's not ready yet, 
it's another just like gratitude or any clearing that you need to do of like other people's energies just getting out of your body clearing it out of your field sometimes depending on what I'm doing that day I do put up my like Joan of Arc shields <laughs> just like because that's an important piece too of like getting through your day right of just like I'm good I'm protected I got my 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 archetypes my goddess like archetypes around me and then you drink your tea and then you're just like I'm back I'm here I'm back I'm good I've taken a deep breath and I'm drinking now like the manifestation of that piece in my tea and having that you can drink it really can change your experience of your day by being able to do that and therefore you'll probably drink a lot of tea <laughs> you'll have a lot of moments where you're like I every hour got to make my tea gotta I got to go ground tea. I got to go ground that sounds so grounding I love that yes <laughs> so yeah. much yes instead of looking on your phone or whatever in those like it's 5 minutes it really is and I think it's it's it, sometimes it has to be enough yeah. I think oftentimes when I'm making my tea, I'm like, why isn't this tea going faster? So this is such a beautiful reframe. Ever since I've heard you talk about this, I think I was listening to some interview in a different place for preparing for this interview, but I was just like, oh my God, like making a pot of tea is self-care. This is like groundbreaking. Like it's so simple and it's actually a daily thing already, but I've just never looked at it that way. Yeah, and you could do this with coffee, honestly, because people, you know, are obsessed with their coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know that that love and that desire for your beverage of choice. And I think it just can be utilized because what I what I don't love about the certain narrative in the spiritual industry is that you can only do it a certain way. And part of that is if you do meditation with your tea, it has to be in a tea ceremony and or it has to be in a whatever and in a different place or it has to look a certain way or you have to be dressed a certain way and it's just like such bullshit because at the end of the day this is our real life this is real life like we're really in it and we really don't look like that all day long we're really not living in those places all day long and if you are awesome go for it but like that's not where the majority of people hang out and live all day long and and we're complex and we have you know we like fashion or we don't and we want to be around certain people or we don't or we identify with certain looks or we don't and like it doesn't matter at the end of the day this is your life but I think if you can be in your own body and in yourself and be peaceful in any moments I think it does change your experience of the small life that we have um, and I really think that it does help to say I'm just like everyone else I'm, you know, doing my best and I have my tea and that's enough for this moment. So it's really helped me a lot. I also do that with yoga too. I do my five minutes of yoga every day and I don't do much more than that, to be totally <laughs> honest. I'll do like a hike in the in the weekend if I have the time or with my, my partner and she and I hike with our dog or my kids or whatever. It's like, we'll get that in, but like, honestly, I have five minutes. And so... I think instead of like, I can't do my yoga unless it's for an hour, it really limits our ability to just like do our routine and be in our body. And actually that's it. That has to be enough. I love that. I love sh and show up messy, like show up as you show are. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's who we are really at the end of the day. Exactly. We're so emotionally complex. It's so not functional most of the time. <laughs> like <laughs> It's not sustainable. <laughs> it's not. I don't know how evolution got away with this. I really have no clue. I know we're social creatures and it's supposed to help, but I'm not sure how much it's helping most of the time, even though I know feelings are really important. But it's just like it so gets in the way sometimes. And so it's like the more we can ground, the more we can clear, the more we can like be like, oh, you're you and you're not me and I'm me and I'm not you and we're good and let's move on. I think that the easier life is going to get for everyone. So <laughs> at least for me. Completely agree. Cheers. Cheers to your tea. <laughs> well, I'd love if you could just tell us a little bit about the store and the wellness space that's not officially open yet downstairs. Yes. Garlic Sage has been around. This is its 26th year. So we started in 1995. We've changed a little bit, of course, around the way. People call it the lesbian witch store, which I love, or the witch's candy store. <laughs> yep. Like them. Love them uh, both. <laughs> true, true to its name. <laughs> so yeah, we're very 
queer space, a very like ideally safe space for all folks. We talk a lot about spirituality and about metaphysics and herbalism here in the store. I think a lot of people find solace here, especially if they feel like a weirdo or someone strange in their community. And obviously this is getting more and more popular. So I think people are feeling less strange, hopefully. And yeah, you can find us online at scarletsage.com. And you can also find us on Valencia Street. We'll be here hopefully for another 26 years. Mm, yes. And then we do all of our classes are online. So you can find our classes on scarletsage.com as well until we can open up the wellness space, which we're still determining when that's going to be when the surge is fully gone. So everyone stays safe. And that will hopefully be winter, maybe spring. We'll see. Uh, we'll see when it's going to happen, but but we won't do it before it's it's fully safe to be people in one space. We have a three-year clinical program called the Community Herbalist, Apprentice Herbalist, and Clinical Herbalist program online also with group settings. And then we have a tarot certification that we just launched that's going to start in August 21st. That's a 100-hour certification that's really exciting the diversity of teachers is beautiful and amazing. You get total swag for this tarot certification. You get decks and journals and tarot cloths and candles and sprays and crystals. It's, it's fantastic. So if you're interested in that, that one's a nine-month program, one week and a month to really become a really strong tarot reader. You can come and talk to us with about health issues in the store. We do help people find the right herbs for their health in the store if we can. Um, we do refer out when the things are a little more complicated. We can help find other practitioners for people. So if you're interested, you can come in and say hi. You can find us online. You can give us a phone call, email us. We're around, and we would love to hear from everyone. Love that. It's such a wonderful place. Highly, highly recommend. And the the store name brand products are like to die for. So check it out. <laughs> Just check it all out. <laughs> yes. We've got a lot of a lot of fun products. The full moon and the new moon bath salts and sprays are some of our more popular ones. My fave. My absolute fave. Yeah. That's where it's where my self-care practice started. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I think I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. I think we went through a lot, and I'm grateful for your time today, Sarah. Thank you so much. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Where can listeners find you online if they're interested in following? Yes. uh, And Instagram, it's the Scarlet Sage, is our handle. And Facebook as well, and online, scarletsage.com. Awesome. Go check them out. Highly recommend. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. It was a great opportunity, and hopefully, I will see you in the store soon. Oh, very soon. You know it. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N dot com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan. And you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, Lit AF. And I hope to see you back here next week.